In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week, for his Easter message, Pastor Brian preached that we often mistakenly look for Jesus among the dead. I find that to be disturbingly accurate, disturbingly true. Too often, we don't just casually look for Jesus among the dead. We live our lives as if Jesus were dead. Or at least not around. We live as maybe even sometimes that He doesn't even exist at all. We live as if He has nothing to give us Nothing relevant, nothing important, nothing urgent, nothing worth, well, really anything. It's not because of Jesus, though. It's not because of Jesus at all. It's because of us. We are the ones who are spiritually dead, and we don't know where to look or who to look for for life. On Sunday, throughout the week, throughout our days, we just forget. Even those who lived when Jesus lived, who knew Christ personally on this side of heaven, made this mistake. And you don't have to look very far, just look at Thomas in today's Gospel reading. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with the other disciples when Jesus appeared to them. So the other disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And Thomas's response is, yeah, right. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails, so he can't just see him, he's got a poke around a little bit, place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, I've got to at least, we've got to at least acknowledge this. This is a new thing, right? Thomas doesn't have the benefit of all these years of Christianity. And I suppose it would be hard to believe Jesus back from the dead, really risen alive after what had happened. The flogging at the hand of the soldiers, hanging on the cross in agony, his side pierced with a spear, buried in a tomb. No way. Consider this, if Thomas, one of the twelve apostles, who traveled with Jesus for three years during Christ's public ministry, says, unless I see, I will never believe, What hope do you have? After all, Thomas heard sermons directly from Jesus. He heard his parables. He heard his teaching. He saw Christ's miracles. He saw Christ's glory. But cannot seem to take by faith that Christ has done what He had promised. I don't know if you've ever said, unless I see it, I'm not going to believe it, especially when it comes to God. But maybe you've said something similar. 
Unless you take care of this divorce that's happening in my family, I'm not going to believe. Unless you stop the pain and social isolation for being a Christian among so many non-believers, I'll never believe. Unless you give me a feeling of happiness in my heart, I will never believe. Unless you make all my dreams come true, I will never believe. Again, it's not the problem with what Jesus is doing. The problem is us. We are spiritually dead. We don't know who to look to or what to look for for true life. The thing about Jesus is He hasn't left us without proof. He hasn't left you without evidence. I would argue that God does not demand a blind faith. Thomas was truly blessed in all that he saw and heard Jesus do and say. And in today's text, Thomas gets what he had demanded. He gets what he had asked for. He sees Jesus alive again. He sees, hears, touches the risen Christ. Yeah, he's got his finger in there, doesn't he? Here's what our text says. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he comes to Thomas. Put your finger here. See my hands. And touch them too, we might add. Put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's you, by the way. Jesus does not expect us to have a blind faith. Jesus not only appears to the disciples in the locked room twice, He appears to the women at the empty tomb outside of Jerusalem, to Mary Magdalene at the tomb, to two travelers on the road to Emmaus, to Peter in Jerusalem, to the seven disciples fishing, to the eleven disciples on what scholars believe is the Mount of Transfiguration in Galilee, where Jesus told them to go. And if that weren't enough, we could keep going. Jesus appeared to more than 500 believers at once. To James, at the ascension on the Mount of Olives. To Paul on the road to Damascus. You get the idea? As Acts 1-3 puts it, He presented Himself alive to them after His suffering by many proofs. Many proofs. Appearing to them during 40 days after His resurrection and speaking about the kingdom of God. Unless I see, I will never believe. That's not because of Jesus. That's because of us. 
We don't need to worry. We don't need to fear. We have ample witness. We have God's Spirit that He has poured out into our hearts. He speaks about you in today's text, as I mentioned before. Blessed are those who believe, yet who have not seen. Blessed are those, like Thomas, who confess, my Lord and my God, even though they have not seen for themselves. I agree with you. It would be nice to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus too. I want to see Him. I want to be with Him. But we have to, at least in the present time, remember His promise. And remember His appearing. You will, like Thomas, eventually get your prayer. On the day of your departure, whenever that comes, you will behold Him. You will see Him as He is. Think of it. You will behold Him. You will see Him as He is. Risen in glory. Reigning in splendor. Now there might be something that happens before that. The day of our Lord's return. Right? And on the day of our Lord's return, His joy, your joy, will be complete as you inherit the fullness of what God has prepared for you. We may not see Jesus on this side of heaven, but others did. Others have. God doesn't expect a blind faith. So Jesus gave many convincing proofs that He was indeed risen from the dead. Just as He promised. That He indeed was God in the flesh. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John the Apostle, John, part of Christ's inner circle, recorded the fewest miracles of any gospel. But it all pointed to what Jesus was going to do at Jerusalem and what He was going to do after His crucifixion. He's going to rise. He's going to live. Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, John says, which are not written in this book. That is the Gospel of John. Right? In this book that I'm writing, the Gospel of John. But these are written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and by believing, you may have life in His name. There is no doubt that the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus happened a long time ago. But to think of Jesus as dead? Irrelevant? Nothing to give? Nothing to say? Not around? Please! Please. Nothing could be further than the truth. In worship, Christ is here in the here and now, fully present. He is risen. And He has promised, promised to be with His church to the very end of the age through certain means. These are certain things that Jesus gave to His church so that He could and would be 
with them, right? Baptize. Teach. Observe all that I have commanded, which includes what we heard this morning, confession and absolution, which includes celebrating the Lord's Supper, right? I'm with you. These are the things that Jesus comes to us in the present, fully present to give us life. In the absolution that you received today, I didn't say, or Pastor Brian didn't say, God has forgiven you, although that's true. That's not what he said. Right? As a called and ordained servant of the word and by the authority and command of Jesus, I forgive you right now, right here. And as it said, it's sure as it is in heaven as it is on earth. Martin Luther doesn't talk about God's gift of baptism by saying, I was baptized. No, I am baptized. It is a living gift. I am baptized, present tense. When we take the Holy Supper of the Lord, we don't say, this was the body of Christ given for you. This was the blood of Christ shed for you. This is present tense. When we say and we celebrate Easter, we don't say Jesus was risen or even Jesus has risen, which would be fine. It's true. We say Jesus is risen. This is not a dead Savior. This is not some Savior who's gone away and left you as orphans. This is not some God who's stuck in the past. This is not some Lord without something to say or give for you and your life today. Jesus is alive and Jesus is ruling and reigning and giving you life in His name through His church. He promises to be here. Promises working through the means of grace to pour out His Holy Spirit so that He might create in you a clean heart, renew a right spirit within you, cast you not away from His presence, take not His Holy Spirit from you. Jesus is alive. He is here and He is serving as we gather in His name, giving you hope, changing your heart, comforting your mind with His forgiveness. And what He gives is no small matter. He is giving you true life. He is preparing you for eternal glory. Come and receive. Come and receive His love and care, His strength and mercy. Come receive the living Savior who works among us. In Romans chapter 6, Paul puts it this way. Romans chapter 6, by the way, uh, is a passage about baptism. So it's a passage about Jesus. It's about us being baptized into Jesus. And it's about His story being our story now. Here's what Paul says in Romans 6. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death he died, he died to...
to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Jesus is alive. Jesus is risen. And in Him, we arise. We live. Christ is living. And Christ is living to give you life in His name. Here, now, and always. Hallelujah. And Amen. And may the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.